Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm Andrea Claussen, your host, and today I sit down with Scott Aaron. Sapphire training helps the on-the-go woman feel more energetic, find her inner peace, and become more powerful by creating a fitness lifestyle she loves. So he has spent the last 19 years in the health and wellness industry as a personal trainer, health club owner, and sports nutritionist. His passion shifted, as his mindset did, and he wanted more out of his life. So he ventured into the world of network marketing, and after three and a half years, he was able to retire from his job and business. So his passion now is assisting other network marketers around um, kind of the world benefit from residual income and how untapped LinkedIn is for connections, conversations, and conversions into your business. So in the last 14 months alone, um, he's grown his connections from 700 to 10,300 connections with an average of 30 calls per week. Um, so I sat down with Scott and I, he was actually introduced to me by his amazing girlfriend, Tara Romano, who was on one of my podcast shows earlier. Um, and wow, is all I can say. He is one of the most inspirational people that I've ever talked to. I think you guys are going to get so much out of this interview. Um, this is motivation. This is inspiration. This is something I recommend anyone to listen to if you're really trying to get a little bit more out of your life. He really goes into details on how to do that and how to recreate your stories that you've been telling yourself, um, how to get past mindset blocks um, and really live that life that you want to live. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview as much as I did interviewing Scott. All right. So without further ado, here's today's episode. All right. I'm so excited today. Today I have Scott Aaron on with us. So I'm going to kind of throw it right over to him since we already heard his bio earlier. So hi, Scott. And can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Absolutely. And first, I just wanted to thank you so much for this opportunity. It's, it's always great to share each other's passions with whoever may be listening. So I'm just grateful for this opportunity. So thank you so much. Um, so a little bit more about me. Uh, I'm 37 years old. Uh, I'm a single dad. I have a beautiful four-year-old little boy named Taylor. Um, obviously is my inspiration. He, he actually teaches me lessons now. So it, it's nice to be able to look through, you know, the world through his eyes and realize that, you know, obviously you should have no fear and you should live in abundance. So it's, it's great. I've, uh, I've been a, a health and wellness professional, uh, like it said in my bio for nearly two decades. Now I got started very, very young while I was in college. I was helping manage and run my family's first fitness club back in 1998. So I started at, at 19 years old in the game and basically fell in love with not only being a part of something that is your own, not having a boss, but, you know, making your own hours and, and you know, kind of living life on your terms. But the greater passion that I realized that I, I started to develop was a was a deep, deep passion for helping people. And, you know, when you're in a hands-on industry as fitness club ownership and personal training and sports nutrition, which I got into, you start to realize that there is a, a greater need for assistance. You know, people are looking for ways, methodologies and, and systems of something they can learn from the person in front of them. And that, that typically was me. I was the personal trainer who was trying to educate and inspire every one of my clients that came through the door. And, you know, for me, that is actually where all of this began. When I started to become a personal trainer in 2000, 
I really got embedded, not so much on the personal development side, but on the mindset side. Mm -hmm. Unconsciously, I was understanding that a lot of people had stuff going through their heads. They, they had stories, including my own. So, so that's, that's really where it all began with the personal training. Love that. Can we tap into that stories? Because speaking of that, like I'm huge into mindsets. Can you break down like what you mean when you say, you know, mindset and stories? Because I think some people might have them, but don't realize that they have them. Yeah. So what I've, all the books that I've read and everything that I've studied is that your thoughts are made up. So any, anything that you're thinking about that has not happened yet, you know, you're thinking about tomorrow, you're thinking about an hour from now, you're thinking about what someone is going to say or might say or hasn't said yet. What happens is we create these stories and we actually bring them into our reality. So what I would tell my clients is, listen, you know, stop thinking about three days from now. Let's focus on how you feel right now and what your goals are that are right in front of you. Because I realized that most people did not live presently. Mm. They, would, they would live in the past or they were living in the future. And, you know, we all hear that if you're living in the past, you're living in anxiety because you're, you're constantly thinking about what's already happened. Or they're living in the future, which means they're living in fear. They're mm -hmm. fearful of what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. So what I try to really do with my clients was really push them towards visualizing what they wanted to achieve, closing their eyes, stepping on a scale and seeing a number or closing their eyes and visualizing and picturing themselves in that dress or in those pair of jeans or in whatever outfit it was that they felt and looked their best. And then when people can start visualizing presently what is right there in front of them, because, you know, there's a great book by Eckhart Tolle called The Power of Now. And he talks about that the only time that we can actually control is the now. Mm -hmm. So I started to really understand that myself included, everyone lives in fear or anxiety about stories and things that have already happened or haven't happened yet. So, you know, when you can have a clear mind, a present mind, a, a peaceful mind of where you are right now, and you can, you can start to feel yourself creating these stories, you just stop. You, you, you just shift something, whether it's going for a walk, putting on some music, listening to a podcast, reading a couple pages of your book, anything to take your mind off of those stories is going to bring in just more positivity, more light and more present consciousness, which is what will lead you to achieving your goals. Mm. Yes, that is um, everything you were talking about. I was just thinking like, wow, this is very yoga ish. I'm not Do you do yoga at all? So, <laughs> so my girlfriend, uh, Tara Romano is an amazing entrepreneur herself. And I, she she's been on, she's been on your podcast <laughs> yeah. before. So when we started dating uh, almost two years ago, you know, she, she's been a big influence in my life about, you know, reading and, and journaling and meditation. And she got me into yoga because, you know, I was a, you know, I was an amateur bodybuilder for four and a half years. Uh, I, I did semi, um, semi-competitive uh, powerlifting. 
So I, I was used to doing just heavy lifting and my body was just one big knot. Mm. And she said, you know, yoga would be great for you to just start loosening up, up your body after all these years of lifting. And I absolutely fell in love with it for two reasons. One, it didn't require me bringing my cell phone. So it was, it was an hour to an hour and 15 minutes out of my day where I was away from social media. I did not have my phone. There was no dings or buzzes or anything going on. So there was no distractions. And two, because it was so challenging, it was so different than what I had done before, it was the first time in years that I was so presently focused on what I was doing. I was feeling everything. I was, I was seeing progress. And I can happily say now I am an avid yogi. I, I go a, anywhere between three to six times per week. Uh, Tara and I were just in Costa Rica on a, uh, a six-day uh, yoga, fitness, wellness, meditation immersion. So we did yoga every day. And, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of women on your podcast, but to all the ladies out there, talk to your men about doing this because mentally it, it just, it clears your mind so much. It's so, it's so soothing for your soul to be in, in that kind of environment where people are there for the same reason. There's no judgment. And, you know, what I love about yoga is that it's your own practice. There's no judgment. There's no rules. There's no regulations because everyone's body is different. So I like being able to go there and just being me. And that is enough. Mm, that is awesome. That, that is definitely something that I have learned as well. Cause I have, um, just recently completed my yoga teacher training this past year. I did a nine month program and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And everyone always assumes they're like, Oh, you probably go to like the power, the yoga with the lifting weights. I was like, no, I'm like the complete opposite. I'm like, cause I do that in the gym setting. Mm-hmm. When I go to yoga, I want to relax. Like I want to do the yin. I want to do the restore. I'll do a couple of vinyasa classes, but I really like to just kind of be present, really get into your, into my mind, which I find is not always common. I think, especially with people who are, you know, kind of the trainers and then do the yoga as well. Is that something that you're into as well? Just kind of the more peaceful or are you more the strong type of yoga? You know, uh, either or, you know, um, Shavasana is still one of my favorite positions <laughs> because <laughs> it's nice to be able to relax. I've done yin yoga before. Um, Definitely a challenge for me because obviously most men are tight in the hips and hamstrings and it definitely requires you to twist your body in ways that you're not used to. But with yin yoga, um, the the fact that you have to hold those positions for two to three minutes, that, you know, they call the tapas, you know, that, that burning sensation, the tapas point in yoga, um, it, it's at its peak when I do yin. Uh, I'm a typical vinyasa guy. Uh, I've done Bikram. I've done hot. I've done basically everything. I've done, I did aerial yoga when I was in Costa Rica, which was extremely challenging. Yes. I, you know, I'll, I'll literally do anything, you know, anything that's going to push me to learn a new lesson in life, whether that's just feeling myself or feeling an energy around me or just doing something out of my comfort zone, I'm going to sign up for it. Mm, that's awesome. So did you, so you probably meditate as well then? So I, I do still have a, a lot of noise in my head. So, so I'm, I'm good at doing uh, guided meditation. So I'll, I'll, you know, I'll 
find an Abraham Hicks meditation on YouTube and I'll put in my headphones every once in a while and I'll just kind of just get guided that way. Um, you know, I'm good at visualization. You know, I, I'm, I'm more consistent with reading. I'm more consistent with, you know, uh, writing down what I'm grateful for. It's something that I actually practice with my son when I have him before we go to bed. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he tells me three things that he's grateful for. And sometimes it's, it's his transformers and his stuffed animals, <laughs> but at least, at least he knows that he's grateful for something, which I appreciate. Oh, that's so awesome. So let's kind of, um, journey back then. So you started as a personal trainer and kind of gym owner and always been around the gym setting. Um, you know, what have, what have you learned from being kind of a gym owner and personal trainer and then really developing, you know, your mind and mindset through that? Like, how did you come to terms with, I want to study this and not just, um, what people think of as a stereotypical like trainer where we're just counting reps and sets? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I was kind of thrown into the fire. Um, my, my family went through some personal turmoil. You know, my, my father was, was my biggest influence. He still works out. He's still a trainer. And, uh, unfortunately he made some bad, bad business decisions. He, he ended up going away, um, to federal prison for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And at 18 years old, as ending my freshman year of college at the university of Pittsburgh, my family sat me down and basically said, listen, you got to come home and you got to help us with the family business. Mm -hmm. So literally in the blink of an eye, I went from your prototypical college student to your prototypical college student with a full-time job, except that job was actually running the family business. Wow. So I left Pittsburgh and I, I transferred to Temple University right in Philadelphia, which was about 15 minutes away from my, my original gym, Old City Ironworks, uh, in downtown Philadelphia. So everything that I learned about business ownership, but also uh, entrepreneurship, came from the School of Hard Knocks. I didn't I didn't take any courses in college. I did graduate with a bachelor's in human resources because I was doing much more managerial uh, retention recruitment at the time, but nothing was going to prepare me for what it meant to be an entrepreneur because I was like a a double entrepreneur. You know, I I was running my family's business. Then when I got into personal training, I had a whole sub business within that. So I was running that business. I was running my gym. And then you throw on top of that my sports nutrition business where I was working with people nutritionally. So I had, you know, a lot of irons in the fire. So it it, it caused a lot of disorganization. I I lived in a lot of chaos. And obviously, the way that you do one thing is the way that you do everything. So I had a lot of chaotic things going on in my life. But what I learned is that you're the one that actually controls what you want to achieve. And, you know, when I got, you know, I was young when I started as a personal trainer. I was 21, 22 years old. So my ego at that point was huge. You know, I joked that my ego was so big I couldn't fit through the doorway. And, you know, I wanted to be the best personal trainer in Philadelphia. I wanted to have the biggest book of business. And you know what? I did have a great book of business. You know, I've all told in my career as a personal trainer I've done close to 63,000 hours of personal training. So uh, at my peak, when I was like in it, there was a good three to four year period when I I was doing 65 to 75 hours a week. Mm. And it takes a toll on you. So, you know, I started to all, and this is where the mindset started to come in because there, there, there came a point where that needle that was 
always tipping towards, God, I love how busy I am. And God, I love, you know, how many clients I get to see every day. And God, it's so nice, you know, being busy, you know, from the minute I get up to the minute I go to bed. When I had my son, that kind of started to shift. And the needle started to go the other way. Mm-hmm. And I was like, God, I wish I had some time to breathe. God, I wish I had some more flexibility with my schedule. Because, you know, between you and me, you know, I was sick and tired of training people before they were going out to dinner with their family and friends during the week. I wanted to be the one going out to dinner with my family and friends during the week. Mm. So I knew that I had to make some sort of entrepreneurial shift in my life and in my business and everything if I really wanted to create the ultimate freedom. There's a lot of people out there that say they're entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. You know, they think they think that they if they own a business, they're an entrepreneur. I'm sorry, you're not. You know, I, I realized, and I mean, I'm not saying this to discount every entrepreneur out there, but for me, from my mm-hmm. point of view, I bought my job. Mm-hmm. You know, when I opened up my gyms, I bought my job. And anyone out there that has owned a business knows that you're the last one to get paid. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of times where I didn't get paid. That's why I had to lean so heavy on the personal training because that was the only thing that was actually bringing income in. So when you were doing your training, were you training at the gym that you guys owned or is this training like you were just kind of doing training all over the city? Most of my training was done in-house at my gym and I did have um, outside clients. So I would bounce around in the burbs and here and there. Literally, if someone wanted me to train them, you know, the way that I, that I, that I was, I, um, I was a people pleaser. I mean, I, I still like to please people, but in a different way. But I would literally bend over backwards to fit somebody in with that schedule, you know, literally running around like a chicken with his head cut off, like barely making it on time, mm-hmm. always in anxiety, always in stress, always not present, completely checked out from whatever I was doing. No, I mean, I think I... A lot of trainers can definitely relate to that, and I myself as well, because when I first started training, pretty much the exact same thing until I started being like, nope, I need to not do, you know, I only could do two nights a week. And then now, since I had my son um, nine months ago now, I'm like, nope, now no evenings unless it's online because I have to be home with him. So I totally can relate to that. And one thing that I have found, and I'm not sure you probably had the same thing, how did you manage your energy throughout the day? I think anyone who works with clients can relate to this is you're up, you're down, you're up, you're down. And it's kind of all across the board. Like, how did you manage that? Oh, man, it was, um, you know, I, I always, always reflect on how different my life is now, you know, because I'm sitting here on a podcast with you and I would be training right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I always take time out of my day to appreciate, you know, what I've created over the last three and a half years And, you know, just this past July, I was able to close my last gym and retire from personal training face to face finally after, you know, after 18 years. Congrats. Thank you. And it it feels good to say that because not to get off topic, but I became addicted to my identity. You know, I became addicted to Scott Aaron, the personal trainer. That's who I thought Mm -hmm. I was supposed to be. But I realized at the core, it was just me. I'm Scott Aaron and I I can do a, a... a multitude of things now. Now, as far as the energy goes, 
you know, I was always so on, you know, and I remember at certain points I would literally like get a yoga mat and I would go sleep in one of the exercise rooms for like 20 minutes because I was, you know, there's no nine to five in personal training. It's the opposite. It's five to nine. I literally would be up at four o'clock in the morning. So I had time to make myself breakfast. I was at my gym at five o'clock when it opened and on a normal day, I was basically training straight through from 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. with about two hours in between for me to get my own workout. So on top of working myself out, doing anywhere between 11 to 15 sessions a day, and really, I mean, I was eating food as I trained people because my clients knew I was so busy, I actually had to sit there and shovel food in my face so I, I could just have the energy to, to, to train people all day. And... Literally, it got to the point, and I'm not sure if this happened with you, but I know it does happen with a lot of trainers who get there, is that I was actually hoping that people would cancel. Mm -hmm. I was, I, I would go and check my phone, and I'm like, all right, please, please, I hope this is a cancellation. And, you know, even if it was just a half-hour session, I'm like, oh, it's a half-hour where I don't have to be around somebody. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I just wanted some me time. I just wanted, I wanted something different. I created my own version of Groundhog's Day. Mm -hmm. It was it was the same thing day in, day out. And what I mean, I would there was no energy by the end of the day. Like literally I would get in bed and I was asleep within two minutes. Wow. And I and I was never really fully rested because, you know, I would still have to come home and be a dad and, and do this and do that. And then by the time I would get back up at four in the morning, like I, my body was just craving just a little bit of a break and I, I'm a hard worker. So I always pushed against it. Mm. Yes. No, I totally can relate to that on so many levels. I remember when I first, when I was still at a gym setting, my friend looked at my to-do list and she's like, you literally have clip your fingernails on your to-do list. And I was like, yes, because yeah. I have no free time. And if it's not on there, I'm going to forget to do it when I have like a spare minute. And she's like, Oh my gosh. I was like, yeah, this is not good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, pe people that if they're not tr like, it's so funny. My friends used to make fun of me because they're like, all you do is, is point to a machine and count to 10. And I'm and, and I'm like, listen, I'm like, it's, I'm like, I would gladly switch with you for one day. You take, you take my schedule for one day and I will take your desk job schedule for one day and we'll see how you feel at the end of that day. Mm -hmm. It's because different. It's, they, it's a different exhaustion. Absolutely. Cause it's, it's mental, it's yeah. physical, it's emotional because you end up being a therapist more than a trainer. There, there's, I mean, I, I can't, I can't even put my finger on how many times people came in and I'd say, how you doing? They just start crying. Mm. And then we would end up having, you know, a sit down conversation on a, on a mat about what's going on with, with their day and their life and their family and this and that and the other. And, so you end up taking on a lot more than just training people. You're, you're training people physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, everything. And that is draining, bringing your A-game to every single client, every single day, every single week. Mm -hmm. So it definitely catches up to you. Oh, yes. Um, and I want to go back to what you had just said when you started this about your identity and how you were Scott Aaron, the personal trainer. And I think that's something that, um, unless someone's went through this in their own life, um, I know I have a lot of people who are either in their own business or thinking about starting theirs. Like, how did you kind of make that mental shift to be like, okay, I'm no longer just a personal trainer. Like, how do you wrap your brain around that? 
So that's another great question because I, I see it all too often that people, if they only know how to do something one way, then they feel that that's the path they have to continue to go down. So my example being, if you're a personal trainer, if you're a massage therapist, a chiropractor, and that's the only way that you know how to create income for yourself, to create a life for yourself, to create an identity for yourself, then that's how the addiction to that comes about. Because your entire day is spent to feed that identity. So I knew at a certain point, I had more inside of me. I had more, I had more drive. I had more desires. I had more things that I wanted to accomplish in my life. You know, I was, I was 34 at the time and I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, what am I doing? You know, like I, I felt like I was 80. Like I, I had been doing the same thing every day for the last 15 years. I'm like, something's got to give, mm -hmm. something's got to give. And then when I realized that, you know, I could do anything, I can do anything I wanted to do. I, I read something by Les Brown and he said that he said two things that really stuck with me. One, he said, if people start taking the mental identity of children where they believe that everything is possible and they can accomplish anything they put their mind to and adults start taking that notion, you start living in an expansive life. And I was like, wow, that's powerful, powerful. And then I'm like, I'm like, you know what? I could do whatever I wanted to do. The second thing he said is that if you want to take the easy road, you are going to live a hard life. Mm -hmm. But if you want to live, if you want to take the hard, the hard road, you're going to live an easy life. Mm -hmm. and, and I felt like I was on the easy road because that's what it was. I knew exactly what my week was going to look like. I knew exactly what I had to do. I wasn't being challenged anymore. Mm -hmm. I literally, like it was literally being, I was like a robot. I was on autopilot. And I knew that for, for people to grow and expand, you have to start getting uncomfortable. You have to start doing things that innately and unconsciously push you. And a lot of it between you and me comes down to your circle of influence. Mm -hmm. And I looked around at who I was being influenced by. And it was completely the wrong people. Mm. Because, you know, if you want, I mean, you're, you know, they always say that you're within 10% of what your circle makes. And trust me, I'm never about the money. That comes with how many people you serve. So if you help millions, you're going to make millions. If you help billions, you're going to make billions. That's, that's just what the universe brings back to you. And I wasn't serving enough people. Because I, I wasn't being influenced the right way with the right people, with the right minds to expand mine, to believe in bigger. Mm. I, I was believing in just comfortable. And when you start to get in that uncomfortable zone around what you're typically doing every single day, that's when life starts to expand. So how do you get around those people then that kind of help you expand? How did you meet those people? So strangely enough, and it's uh, how I met Tara. So about three and a half years ago, I was at a big, big turning point in my life. Um, I was uh, 
in the process of having a, a, a failed relationship. Um, I wasn't happy with where my business was. I wasn't happy where my life was. And I was looking for a change, but I didn't know what that change was. And I, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was desperate, but I was hungry for something else. I just didn't know what it was going to be. Mm -hmm. So one of my good friends, Joe DiBianca, reached out to me who used to be a member of one of my gyms downtown. We hadn't spoken for a while. He goes, I would love to catch up with you. Can I come up to the gym and catch a workout? I said, absolutely. So we started talking and I said, what have you been up to these days? And and he told me that he got into uh, network marketing with a health and wellness company. And I said, okay. I said, tell me a little bit more about it. So so we did and he kind of dripped on me a little bit and, and you know, I've I have a passion for health and wellness that was apparent, but you know, I didn't know the first thing about network marketing. I was thought, I thought it was one of those things. I thought it was a pyramid and blah, 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 the typical stuff that you hear through society. Mm -hmm. But I was at the point where I knew a few things and I knew these things about myself without people having to tell me I was open. I was coachable. Mm -hmm. I had an entrepreneurial spirit. I was driven. I was motivated. I was positive. I was inspired. But most importantly, I had a deep passion for helping people. And when I took a look at this company and took a look at network marketing as a whole, I realized that this could be a good fit for me, not just professionally, but personally. Mm. Because if you're in with the right group of people, enlightened people, motivated people, inspired people, people that think possible instead of impossible, then things could start to shift. So unconsciously and, and blindly, I went into this had, having no clue what I was doing. And I did it well. I started helping more people. And then, you know, I tell people that network marketing is a personal development journey with a compensation plan attached to it. I love that. <laughs> so I started reading. I, I honestly, between you and me, this, this is back in, in 20, 2013 now, early 2013, I read the, my first book, read my first book since the first Harry Potter. That's how, that's how long it had been. since I, I didn't want to read a book. And, and now, and now I have books showing up every single week off of Amazon that I, I hear about, or I, I read other authors talking about this or that. And I started to expand my mind. I started to shift my mindset. I started to immerse myself with what other people were doing. It's called modeling. I started to model myself after people that were doing more than me, that were smarter than me, that were more successful than me, that wanted more than I wanted at that time. Because if I could take myself to that level, that expansive level where I was doing more and I was seeing more and I was being more, then I could make that shift towards doing that. And network marketing absolutely put me in the environment of those types of people that were outside the box, that were, you know, right brain thinkers that were going in the opposite grain directionally speaking of, of where society wants you to go. And that's when really the, the, the people started showing up, you know, that's how I met Tara and, and her sister and, and all of our friends. And it, it just aligned me with the right people. Wow. So it was kind of you saying yes to that is really what propelled you to kind of start slowly, I guess, stopping your personal training and really diving into this. 
Yeah, as I saw income, you know, the, the biggest aha moment for me is when I, I took my first vacation in five years. And because, you know, as if there's any other trainers, just like you know, that if we take a week off of work, that means zero dollars coming in. Mm -hmm. And so I, I had built up a lot of resentment and a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress around my book mm -hmm. because I realized that I was monetarily dependent upon my clients. So they were the ones that were feeding me. They were the ones that were paying my rent. They were the ones that were putting clothes on my back. I didn't like how that felt. Mm -hmm. So about two months into my network marketing uh, profession, I took my first vacation about five years with my family. We went to Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. And I was sitting on the beach and I got a notification from the company that I'm with that I had just earned a few hundred dollars that week. And I was like, whoa. And a lot of people are like, well, that's not a lot of money. Well, it, it, comparatively speaking, it wasn't what I would have made if I was a if I was training that week. But you're on this, vacation. This this was the biggest thing. <laughs> that was the first time in at that point my 15 year career I had ever made one dollar not personal training. Mm. And I was like, wow. I'm like, I get this. This makes sense. I am not stopping. So I continue to build and push and grow. Now, when you start expanding your mind and you start believing in the possible and you start believing in the law of attraction and the law of the few and the law of whatever is possible is possible, I started to realize I could create whatever I wanted to. So since that point, I've actually created two other businesses outside of my network marketing business that because when you start aligning yourself with those those people one you're seen as a commodity but two you're also seen as an influence so when when people start to see your greatness that you were never able to really see until people started to bring it out of you then i realized that you know i could create anything i wanted to and if people believed in me they would believe in what i'm doing mm. Wow. So you kind of, I guess, by diving into that, you know, and, you know, doing the reading and kind of doing that self-development, you really, you really kind of grew to that next level. And I'm sure along the way, you might have had those uncomfortable periods. So like, you were kind of like, wow, is this too good to be true? Or just kind of that lump where you had to push through. Because I know there's so many people that, you know, are so close to doing something, but then they feel that that uncomfortable feeling almost, and they want to stop or they do throw in the towel. Do you have any advice or how people can push past that really deep fear that they might have hidden? Absolutely. You know, two things right there on each of those. I never, ever, ever in my life wanted to sit down and think to myself, what if? What if? I at least wanted to give it a go or try it, or say I did it, and learn from it, then never do it at all. Because there are so many people that question, and analyze, and go back and forth, and they're playing ping pong in their head. And what I tell people is, listen to your heart, get out of your head, and just go for it. Because what's the worst that could happen? You fail, great. 
one of the greatest quotes that I've ever read, and I've kind of not adapted it myself, but your failures always open the doors to your successes. Oh, I love that. So the more that you fail, the more that you will succeed. Yes. Now, for the people that do dive in and say yes and they're doing it, and they get to that point where they're like, you know, this just isn't working. Mm-hmm. This, 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 I, I don't know if I can do this anymore. This, you know, I, I, I think this is, this isn't for me. What I tell people all the time is that if you want to guarantee failure, if you want to guarantee not to succeed, then you quit. Mm-hmm. But if you want to guarantee success, all you have to do is not quit. Because when you quit, that causes you to automatically fail. Because then there's no chance of succeeding since you gave up on it. Mm-hmm. So those are, the, my, those are my two pieces of advice. You know, you have to lean into your fear. You know, so society teaches us what society wants to teach us. You know, I wish I learned a lot of the things that I'm learning now back in high school. <laughs> because society wants us on the same path. They want, us to, they want us to get a good education, you know, graduate from high school, go to college, get a degree, get a job, work there for 25 years, retire, have kids, family, and die. Like, that's, that's not what life is all about. And, you know, I've, I've been able to slowly, and this has been a challenge for me, I've slowly been able to detach myself from the importance of the value of money. Because money will come and money will go. You know, there's a lot of people that don't spend it because of the fear of losing it. Mm-hmm. But when you cut off the circulation of, of money, you're cutting off that circulation of money coming to you. And people live abundant in different ways. I'm not driven by money. I'm driven by helping people. And the more people you help, you're going to live an abundant life. But when people live in lack, when people live in question, when people live in doubt or in fear or in negativity, you can never expect to live the life that you truly do deserve. Because energetically, the wrong things are going to be flowing around you. Totally agree with that. Yeah, I mean, wrong things including people. Um, as well. All of that. I mean, I think that it comes back to what you had said earlier with just those stories that you're telling yourself, because that can be intertwined with the money stories that you could be telling yourself as well. So that is, that's amazing for people to really work on that story. And and one other thing back, you know, we spoke about this earlier about your circle of influence and and you said, well, what about the current friends that you have? You know, I don't ever tell people stop being friends with your friends. I'm, I'm, I'm that the prototypical guy I have my guy friends that I've been friends with since since like second or third grade. But, you know, it's not that life is too busy to spend time with everyone. I'm just very, very careful and I choose wisely at where I put my time. Mm. You know, when, when I have time to just chill and relax and do whatever, then I do that. But if I'm on a certain path, then I need to make sure that my time is valued and it's being valued by the right people. Because I'm always looking to grow. I'm always looking to learn. So I want to be in an expansive conversation all the time. 
But if it's not going to serve me, then I'm going to start to not distance myself, but direct my energy in different places. So you can still have your friends, but you have your friends and that you have, you have your friends that are your influences. So you need to take a look in the mirror and see who you're modeling yourself after, who you're spending your most time with. Because I tell people all the time, the people that you spend the most time with are most likely the ones that are influencing you and your bank account, your life, your desires, your wants, and everything else that comes along with that is gonna look eerily similar to those people. So if you're not happy with what all of that looks like, you have to start modeling yourself and hanging out with different people that are gonna influence those things the way that you do want it to look like. Yes, I totally, totally agree with that. And if anyone's looking to, like one way that I actually have just recently done this myself is I'm like, wow, this girl looks really cool on Instagram. And then we had messaged each other and we met up for coffee and we're like, wow, we are so similar. I'm like, someone else likes Gabby Bernstein and does the desire <laughs> map. And we're both we're like, we're like 30 minutes apart. Like, how crazy is this? So sometimes it does just like introducing yourself to someone online. It might seem kind of scary, but they're probably craving and looking for someone just like you. Absolutely. You know, like will always attract like. Mm. That's what I realized. And you know, life is too short. You know, um, I've gotten really into this guy named Sadhguru. He's a, he's a yogi from India. And, you know, he, he said something in one of his speeches that one million people don't open their eyes every single morning, every day, wow. every day. And it hit me like a ton of bricks because I'm grateful. But now, like every time I open my eyes, I take a second and I just, I thank God or whoever you want to thank that I, my feet can touch the floor that morning because we don't, you know, I, I loved what Gary V said. He says, you only get one at bat. Mm -hmm. You, we, we don't have nine lives. We get one at bat. That's it. Mm -hmm. So make this life the best life possible. You know, everyone is so consumed by the same things, family and friends and work and this, you don't have to be life. Life is one big decision. It's one big choice. You are choosing to be influenced either positively or negatively by the circumstances or things that are in your life right now. You are the captain of your own ship. So sail it in whatever direction you want to sail it in. That's such, such good advice. And I think that sometimes we hear it and we don't always hear it. You know, like even though we... we hear it, but we're not really putting it into our own life. How can we actually implement this and get started with that? And it's easier said than done. Trust me. It's like, you know, I, I love, I loved what Robin Sharma said one time. He was on a, he was on a podcast with, um, with Joe Polish and Joe asked him like, you know, Robin, do you, do you ever have a bad day? And Robin's like, no, I'm, I'm, I skip everywhere I go and there's butterflies and unicorns and rainbows. <laughs> he goes, of course I have bad days. He goes, it's life. But you make the best of every moment because it's all about that mentality shift. Mm -hmm. it, re it really is. Life is not difficult to figure out, you know, and, you know, th there are definitely wall kicking moments. Absolutely. That's part of life. But it's about how you get good at handling those moments. That is what starts to separate you from the old you to the you that you're becoming. It's how you handle those situations. So if you think that you can just apply these 
one time and that's it. No, I, t- I compare this to working out. You know, I still work out every single day, five to seven times a, a week. You know, I will do weights either in the morning or afternoon. Yoga, I like, you know, today I did weights in the morning. I'm doing yoga tonight to end my day. Sometimes I like to mentally check out in the morning or in the evening, depending upon my day. But you're not going to go into the gym, work out once, and look like Hercules. It's just not that way. You have to work this, your brain, just like any other muscle in your body. It takes practice and practice and practice. And I love this quote. Practice makes practice. It's not practice. There's no such thing as perfect. Practice will always make practice. Oh, that's awesome. I don't think I've heard that one. I like that. Especially from being in my athlete background. I was like, oh, yeah, that I like that because there definitely is no perfect, no matter what you're doing. (laughs) I mean, do you think Michael Jordan stopped shooting the basketball like when he got to his point? No. Kobe Bryant, like there was a great thing about him. Kobe Bryant. Um. We, we went to rival high schools, so I, I saw him play from when he was 16 on up. One of, um, one of his high school teammates was one of my friends from college, Robbie Schwartz, uh, who's also a wellness professional. And they, after each practice, they would play to 100, one-on-one. And, and they did that after every practice for all four years of high school. And Kobe said the most that Rob ever scored on him was five points. Wow. Wow. That's how competitive Kobe was, but that's that translated into his his work ethic in the pros. He mm-hmm. it's the guy who shows up to the gym before practice and stays after everything is over. Mm-hmm. If you want to become your best, you have to do more. It, it's not being in competition with everyone around you. It's always you versus you. Always. That's the only competition, the person that's staring back at you in the mirror. So it's just about being your best all the time. That's mm, so true on so many levels. And I was just heard someone, I don't know if it was on a podcast, and they're like, what drives you? What's motivating you? I think it was with Lewis Howes, with Ray Lewis, actually. And, oh, you know, he was he had, he had a coach that had asked him that. And he's like, what's driving you? And then I was thinking, I was like, gosh, no one ever asked me that in high school. And I was kind of the same way. Like, I would go into the gym at 6 in the morning and go shoot before school and lift weights before school. And I'm like what was driving me. And I'm like, well, I know it was never to be competing with, you know, like my teammates, you know, it's always, I want to be the best in our conference, you know, and those are like, you're competing with yourself. Like that's all what it ever was. Like you never kind of, you know, you're out there to be better than so-and-so. And I think those are the people and those are the kind of the athletes that really rise above when they realize it's how much can I better myself? Not how can I beat X, Y, Z? Absolutely. Could not agree more. Oh. So um, I've loved our conversation, and I want to know, where is the best place for us to connect with you at? Absolutely. So you can you can find me on Facebook, um, Scott Aaron, uh, it's S-C-O-T-T-A-A-R-O-N, or uh, you can find me through my website. Uh, it's traineroflinkedin.com. That is a, a passion of mine. Uh, I actually do LinkedIn coaching for entrepreneurs. So if you just go to www. and then all one word trainerofLinkedIn.com, um, you can my contact info is there. You can absolutely connect with me that way. Email, phone number, everything is all right there. Perfect. Now you have a little free gift there as well. I do have a free gift. If you go to my website, um, all you have to do is put your first last name. Uh, an email address, and you can actually receive a copy of my free ebook that gives you five simple strategies that you can apply to LinkedIn right now 
to grow your network marketing business, your online business, your internet marketing business, or any online aspect of a current business that you have. Very cool. And a selfish question. So is LinkedIn still male dominated or are more females jumping on LinkedIn? More females are jumping on there, but you know, just some quick tidbits about LinkedIn. Um, there's 480 million worldwide users mm-hmm. and growing. And the one thing I loved about it is that it, there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that are basically open-minded. And for me, I'm always looking to connect myself with people that are just like me. You know, one of my one of my mentors and one of my influences in my in my my business. Her name is Susan Sly, and she told me very early on that you need to look yourself in the mirror and you need to ask yourself, how am I going to recruit me today? So when I took that advice and I applied it to LinkedIn, I started searching and connecting with mirror images of myself, other personal trainers, other sports nutritionists, other health club owners that either didn't have my vehicle or were looking to expand their business in a different way where I could help. So when I started searching for myself, it takes the uncomfortability of talking to a stranger out of it. Mm-hmm. Because when you can connect with yourself, there's already relatability, which means you're gonna have a great conversation, which is gonna lead you to achieving what you're looking to achieve, whether recruiting into your business or providing some content for someone else. Mm. That's brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. So then um, I just have a few more questions just to kind of wrap everything up. What does peaceful power mean to you? So peaceful power to me means being within yourself. You know, power comes in in a lot of different forms. And when people hear the word power, they think strong. And for me, when I hear power, it means that the control that you have over your thoughts, your actions, your desires, but also where peace comes into that is doing it in a relaxed state. You know, you always want to be that person that walks into a room and people you hear can feel you. So when you can walk around, you know, with your, you know, your chin up, you know, your chest out, feeling confident, feeling good, feeling powerful, but peaceful at the same time, grateful, all of those things all in one, you are going to be that light for everyone around you. And before you know it, you're going to have those people coming towards you. So coming into your own power, understanding who you are, what you're about, and what you stand for, but in a peaceful and relaxed manner, that's what that means to me. Mm, That is awesome. I have not heard that. That is, love it. I'm going to have to take note on that one. And then finally, I have um, a weekly challenge that I like to give everyone. So you are full of motivation and inspiration. Um, I cannot hear what kind of weekly challenge you have for all the listeners to do this upcoming week. So my weekly challenge for the listeners is this. I want you guys to write down five things that you would like to achieve over the next 12 months. Now, this can be a weight loss goal. This could be a business monetary goal. And I want you to take those five things and I want you to write on a piece of paper, I am going to achieve in the next 12 months, one, two, three, four, and five. You are going to stick that on your bathroom mirror. 
right in front of your face because I have, if you came into my bathroom, I have sticky notes all over my my, my mirror where, where I have to actually duck around to look at myself in the mirror because I force myself to look at what I want to achieve. So when you wake up in the morning, you go into the bathroom to blush, brush your teeth and wash your face. You're not staring at yourself. You're staring at yourself 12 months from now. Mm. Oh, I love that. I'm going to have to do that. I have mine in my office. And I love the language that you had and used around it is I'm going to achieve. Not I want to, but I am going to. And then your goal. That is brilliant. It's going to happen. You just It's just a matter of time. And listen, here's the thing. If you don't achieve those things in, in 12 months, if you achieve three of the five, awesome. So it's going to take a little bit longer, but you know what? As long as you're taking one step in front of the other towards that goal, you're going to, you're going to hit it it's just a matter of time. Yes. And that's where I've discovered too. Cause usually, um, every around the new year's, I still like to do vision boards and I'm like, some of it doesn't happen. But then like a couple of years later, I'm like, wait, I had this on my vision board mm. a couple of years ago. And all of a sudden it came true a few years later. So sometimes it is those goals that you might, you know, to say, okay, this could be far away, but just writing it down and saying, hey, it might not happen next year, but it could happen the next year. Just having those thoughts and not being afraid to write that down. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Scott. It was a pleasure getting to talk to you. You were full of, oh, I love the motivation and inspiration. Thank you. It was a, it was a pleasure and honor to be on here. And, you know, anything that I just, you know, I want people to understand that I am no different than them, but if you were inspired by anything that I said, then that's what this is all about because too many times people keep that greatness and that light inside of them. And I just, I just go with how I feel and I want you guys to kind of take whatever I've said, apply it to your life right now and just really start to enjoy every single day that you have. Yes. Great advice. Thank you again. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. Absolutely. Podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclawson.com, where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the peaceful power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.